Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. In this section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks to his disciples about three very important elements of the Christian life. Giving, we looked at that last week. Praying, we'll look at that today. And then next week, fasting or spiritual discipline. You know, prayer is one of the greatest privileges of the Christian life. I know a lot of people think, well, I don't think God really hears my prayers. I mean, why would God listen to me? I'm just a regular old nobody, you know? My own family didn't even listen to me. (laughs) My friends don't listen to me. Nobody listens to me. Why would God want to listen to somebody like me? Especially since God knows everything I've done. God knows all that I am. God knows all the secrets of my life. Why would God want to listen to somebody like me? Well, can I give you some blessed assurance God does listen to you. If you're a child of God, you don't know how much God really loves you. You've got an idea because Jesus died on the cross for us. We know that. But I don't know if the impact of that really comes to our hearts as it should be. God loves us. He cares for us. I know as, as as a parent and as a grandparent, it thrills me when... One of my children or or my grandchildren who may not be around, we haven't talked to them for a while. They'll give me a call and it's an exciting thing. I want to hear from them. I love them. They're in my heart. I think about them often. I pray for them often. I want to know what's going on in their life. I want to know how I can help them. I want to know about them. I care for them. And then when they call, it's so good to hear from them and so good to share with them. In a very small way, that's kind of like our Father in heaven. God loves you. He cares for you. And yes, He already knows all the things that are going on in your life. But God wants to fellowship with us. That's an amazing thing to me. The God of the universe. The God who created all that there is. The God who is an an infinite God that we can't even begin to imagine all that he is and all the power that he has and all the glory and the majesty that he has. That God wants to spend time with me. And you might say, well, Brother Chris, what if, what if everybody in the world decided at the same time to pray? What would God do? If, if billions of people at the same time decided, well, at this particular moment, at this time, we're all going to pray, what's God going to do about that? Well, I, let me tell you about God. God is God. God is big enough that if everybody prayed at the same time, he would still give us all his individual attention as if he had nothing else to do. That's God. Don't put God in your little box. Don't put God within your little limitations. That that God might be overwhelmed or God might not be able to do this or God might not be able to handle that. Listen, there is nothing our God cannot do. And God wants to hear from us. He wants us to pray. Now, prayer is one of the greatest privileges of the Christian life. I have a very famous person's phone number in, in my phone. I could call that person. But I'm afraid to. (laughs) They might say, what in the world are you bothering me for? I'm busy. You know, somehow I got their phone number. They shared it with me. 
They said, call them at any time. I never do. Because I feel like I might be intruding on them. You feel like maybe you might be intruding upon God if somebody like you might pray. Oh no, God wants to hear from you. Every Christian has an open invitation from God to come into His presence at any time, at any place, in any circumstance of life to worship Him, to fellowship with Him, to seek His guidance, to seek His direction, to seek His help, to seek His will, to present our request known unto Him, and just to worship Him and fellowship with Him. We have that open invitation. What a great thing that is. And here's what the Bible assures us. That God hears the prayers of those who have been redeemed by Christ. He hears our prayers. Our prayers are not in vain. Our prayers don't just reach the ceiling of the building or the tree of which we're under or hit the, hit the sky above us and bounce back to us. No, our prayers penetrate into heaven. And the Bible assures us that God hears our prayers. And the Bible assures us that if we pray in the right way, in the right spirit, for the right purpose, that God will answer our prayers. He will answer them in the best way that is the best way for us, in the best way for those to whom we are praying. What a privilege, what a wonderful privilege, what a marvelous privilege prayer is for the Christian. Now when I was first saved, I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to do nothing. You know, but I began to learn, I began to study, I began to practice. You might say, well, I don't know how to pray. Let me tell you how to learn how to pray. You learn how to pray by praying. You pray. And you pray again. And you keep praying. And then you study the Bible for what the Bible says about prayer. And you learn what God says in His Word about prayer. And all the precious promises of prayer. And the ways that we should would pray. And, 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 and listen, you won't mess prayer up if you pray from your heart. When our kids were little, they'd, you know, color in that little coloring book, you know, and they'd go all outside the lines and everything. It'd be, you know, a hippopotamus would turn out to be looking like the Eiffel Tower or something like that, you know, and they're doing all that kind of thing. And they would, would bring the little coloring project that they had and they would bring it to us. And, of course, me and, me and Mama, being good parents, we'd say, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And we'd put it on the place of honor. You know what the place of honor is, right there on the refrigerator. You know? In our minds, it couldn't mess it up. You couldn't mess up that painting. Well, listen, if you pray from your heart, you can't mess up prayer. God's going to hear your prayer. God loves to hear you pray. And you might color outside the lines with your prayer, but that's all right. God will take it. And God will hear it. And God will bless it if you pray in the right way, in the right spirit for His honor and glory. And so Jesus teaches us some things that we need to know about prayer. And the Bible, God encourages us to pray. He commands us to pray. He teaches us to pray. And you know, I remember old Samuel, the prophet, he'd, he'd come to the end of his ministry, you know, it was about time for him to, you know, retire from the ministry. I found out you, you don't retire when you're in the ministry, you just keep going. You might shift gears, but you keep going. 
And it was coming. Samuel had served the Lord and the nation of Israel for a long time. And, but he, he was beginning to wind down his ministry. He knew his limitations and he knew his physical condition. And he gave his last words to the nation of Israel. And you know what he told the nation of Israel? He said, you know, I may not be out there on the prophet circuit anymore. You may not see me going from here and there and yon anymore in a public ministry. But he said, one thing I will always do, I will pray for you. He said that to the nation of Israel. And then he added this. In fact, it is a sin if I don't pray for you. Samuel said it would be a sin. If he didn't pray for the nation of Israel. I thought about that often. You know, that, that's true. Prayer is such a marvelous privilege of the Christian life. Don't you think it's a sin if we don't pray? If we don't take advantage of this great privilege? By the way, it's a privilege won by Jesus when he died on the cross for our sins. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's salvation. That's also prayer. What a tremendous privilege it is. Don't you think it might be a sin if we don't pray as we ought to pray? The Bible encourages us to pray. Jesus said one time, Luke 18, 1. This is what Luke said about Jesus. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 teaches that we are to pray without ceasing. And here's what I think the Bible teaches. I think the Bible teaches this, that when a person is born again, they're born again with a desire to pray. You know, when you're saved and God does that work of conversion in your life and God saves you and he changes your heart, your mind, he changes who you are, he changes your spiritual DNA, you are born again with certain God-given desires. And one of those God-given desires is to pray. You want to pray to your God, the God who saves you. I think a desire to pray is a mark of a person who's truly been born again. And so the Bible teaches us to pray and we're born again with the desire to pray. And the Bible teaches that a person, for a person to be a growing and effective Christian, the Christian that God wants us to be, if you want to be that growing and effective Christian, you must be a person of prayer. Here's an axiom. An axiom is something that is always true. It is true today, it'll be true tomorrow, it will be forever true. Here is a spiritual axiom. The quality, the depth, and the effectiveness of your Christian life is determined directly by the quality and the depth of your prayer life. Your prayer life determines the quality, the depth, the effectiveness of your Christian life. If your prayer life is shallow, if it's sporadic, if it's superficial, then your Christian life is going to be shallow and sporadic and superficial. Your prayer life determines the effectiveness of your Christian life. And so a growing prayer life is very essential to the growing Christian life. You know, prayer connects us with God's presence and power. Prayer tunes our hearts to love God, to worship him, to know his will, to serve him. Walking with God in prayer helps us to maintain our focus on God as we live in this crazy world. We live in a crazy world. And it's getting crazier by the day. 
We live in a wild kind of world. It's, it's unbelievable. All of the things that are happening on so many levels in our world. Well, how are we going to keep our focus on God? You do that through your personal prayer life. Prayer helps us to fight off Satan, sin, and temptation. You stop praying, you open yourself up to what Satan wants to do in your life as a Christian. Prayer is absolutely essential to a growing and victorious Christian life. So prayer is so important, and that's why at the heart of the Sermon on the Prayer, or the Sermon on the Mount, rather, that Jesus teaches us about prayer. Now, everybody can pray. You may not be able to carry a tune in a bucket. I'm a pretty good singer in the shower. You are not invited to my next concert, however. You know, you may not be able to carry a tune in a bucket. You may be scared to death to stand up and speak before somebody and maybe try to teach or, or to preach. You, you can't do that. That's not your ability. You may think you have very little ability to do anything for the Lord. But I want to tell you something. There's something that every single person sitting in this sanctuary can do today. We can all pray. We can all pray. It's a tremendous privilege. And oh, in these days... How we need to pray. Now prayer is not the only thing we need to do. We know that. But before we do anything else, we need to pray. Because if we do something without praying, and then it's not going to work. And so prayer is so important. Now in this passage, Jesus teaches us how to pray. He gives us a model prayer. Now this is not the only way that you're supposed to pray. Jesus gives us a pattern for prayer. He says this is the kind of way that you can construct your prayers. It's a model prayer. It's a disciple's prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. But actually it's a far better description is the model prayer, the pattern prayer, the disciple's prayer. He helps us to know how to construct our prayers. But you just don't, you know, just repeat this. By rote, you can do that if you mean it from your heart, but that's not the Lord's intention. The Lord's intention is to help us to understand how we approach the God of heaven in our prayers. And so he gives us this model prayer. But before he does, he tells us how not to pray. First of all, he tells us that when we pray, we're not to pray like pretenders or play actors. Jesus had seen it. He'd seen it on the sidewalks of Jerusalem. These religious people, these Pharisees, these religious know-it-alls, they love to put on a show with their religion. So they would stand on the sidewalks at the particular time of prayer. They would make sure that they were at, at a very populated place in Jerusalem. And when the, they, they heard the sound for prayer, oh, they would lift up their voices in prayer and they'd put a show of their prayers before the people. Jesus said, don't do that. When you pray, it's just you and God. Go into your room. Just you and God. And when you pray, let your prayers be honest. If you're mad at somebody, be honest with God. He knows it already. Be honest. Be real. Be reverent. Let your prayers come from your heart. Don't make a show of your prayers. It's just you and God. And so pray. Jesus said, don't pray like the pretenders. He also said, don't pray like the pagans. 
the pagans in, in that day, they had their gods. Now, their gods were nothing like the God of the Bible. You know, the pagan gods of pagan religion, you know, they were, they were openly sinful. They were lazy. They were decadent. You know, they had this super godlike power. They were given that power by the pagans. And so the pagans, they didn't love their gods. They feared their gods and they tried to bribe their gods to do something for them, do a favor for them. And so they would offer them sacrifices, not out of love or not out of anything like that. They're trying to, 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 to somehow beg their God not to take something out on them, not to hurt them, not to harm them and do some kind of favor for them. And so their prayers were filled with all kinds of gibber and jabber because they felt like their God didn't really care about them, didn't want to hear from them. And so they felt like they would badger their God to death until their God said, okay, just to shut you up, I will listen to you. (laughs) You don't have to do that with our father. Our father hears you. He hears your first word. He hears your heart. He loves you. You don't have to pray like a pagan, trying to badger God into doing something that you want him to do. You don't have to do that. You know, I think about heaven. What is it going to be like in heaven to sit down with Jesus and just have a conversation with my Lord? Have you ever thought about that? Can I do that when I get to heaven? Yeah. There's probably going to be a heavenly coffee shop. And you and the Lord can share a macchino wacabino or whatever that stuff they serve. You know, I go into Starbucks sometimes or go into those places and the kids in front of me, they'll order these. I'll take an almond chocolate wacabino, you know, and it takes 15 minutes for them to tell the guy behind the thing what they want. I walk up to them and I say, can I just get a cup of coffee? Is that allowed? Just a cup of coffee. What, what it will be like in heaven. To have a conversation with our Lord. See, when you pray, you don't put on a show. And when you pray, you don't have to treat God like he's some kind of pagan God who really didn't want to hear from you and don't want to help you and don't want to do anything. You just, you talk to your Father who is in heaven. Now you do it with respect and you do it with reverence, but you do it from your heart. Jesus gave us an example of a pattern prayer. Let's quickly look at each segment of what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's, it's really the model prayer, the disciples' prayer. How should we pray? Jesus said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, what does that teach us about prayer? Here's what it teaches us. Jesus teaches us that our prayers always should begin and end with praise and worship to God. Prayer is an act of worship. And so when you come into the presence of your heavenly father, you don't come busting through the door of heaven saying, hey, Lord, I got some issues now and I got some things I need you to do. And you need to listen up right quick because I don't have a whole lot of time to share it with you. Don't do that. You come into the presence of God with worship and praise and honor for who he is and all that he is and all that he's done for you. You praise him. You glorify him. You you honor him. You, you respect Him. You revere Him. He gives you every breath you take and every beat of your heart. Doesn't He deserve worship? He saved your soul. He gives you all that you have. He makes possible everything in your life. 
Doesn't he deserve worship? You don't come busting into the presence of the Lord with your long list of to-do lists as if God is some kind of heavenly bellhop. No. Remember, he's God. You're the servant. So you worship him. Then Jesus taught us, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Jesus said when we pray, we're not just to focus on ourselves. We're to pray for the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Well, it means to pray for God's churches. Not just your church, but every church. Not just the church here, but every church around the world. Not just for Christians here, but for Christians all around the world, especially for those Christians who might be suffering in the name of Christ. We pray for God's kingdom. We pray for God's people. We pray for every church, wherever it might be. Big church, little church, churches that meet under a tree, churches meet here, churches that meet there. We pray for the kingdom of God, which is made up of the churches of God, which are made up of the people of God. We pray for God's work in the world. We pray that the kingdom of God will grow. How does the kingdom of God grow? It grows by people being saved. You pray for lost people. I hope you have a a prayer list for lost folks. People you know, people you don't know. Man, I got one. I've been praying for a a lot of lost people. People in my family, people I know, people I don't know. That's how the kingdom of God grows. Then Jesus said, We're to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said when we pray, we need to pray for God's will. God's will to be done in our life. God's will to be done in our family, in our home, in our church, in our country, in our world. The will of God. Help me, Lord, to know your will. Help me to do your will. Give me guidance, direction. Give me wisdom to help me to know and to do your will. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus taught us to pray for our daily bread. That is the daily essentials that we need in life. Not tomorrow's bread, today's bread. In other words, this is a prayer of acknowledgement that we are totally dependent upon God. We are totally dependent upon God for everything we need, physically, spiritually, materially, every beat of our heart, every moment of our life, every breath that we have comes from God. Every day we are to acknowledge our total dependence upon God. We're to seek His strength, His provisions to help us to love Him and to live for Him every day. Oh God, I am totally dependent upon you for everything in my life. And this day I pray that you'll give me what I need to love you and to live for you and to honor you and thank you for your blessings. Then Jesus taught us, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus taught us every day we should seek forgiveness of our sins. The sin of the Christian affects our fellowship with God, our relationship with others, our spiritual growth, our effectiveness, our usefulness in God's kingdom. And so we need to do a daily inventory. If you use that cuss word you shouldn't use, which I guess every cuss word is a word you shouldn't use, you need to repent of it. If you thought something that you shouldn't have thought, be honest with the Lord. Do a daily, honest inventory before God. God, I did this. And I was stupid when I did it. 
And I'm sorry I did it. Please forgive me. Forgive me, my dads. Lord, I don't want there to be anything between me and you. I want my life to be in total obedience to you in every area of my life. Forgive me of my debts. Forgive me of my sins. I want to be right with you. Because I know if I let sin take root in my life, if I let sinful attitudes and actions take root in my life, it's going to hinder my fellowship with you. It's going to hinder your ability to use me as you want to use me. Lord, I want to be clean and right and holy before you. Forgive me. And then Jesus says, as we seek forgiveness from God, we are to give forgiveness to others. I mean, why ask God to forgive us if we're not willing to forgive those who have offended us, right? I mean, that's a little hypocritical. Oh, God, forgive me. And by the way, I hate that guy. And I'm not forgiving him. No. As we seek forgiveness, we are to give forgiveness. Jesus adds an addendum to the pattern prayer. He emphasizes how important it is for us to forgive those who have trespassed against us. And so we're to seek forgiveness and we're to give forgiveness. That's hard to do. I've had people say, well, you just don't understand. That's what they'll say. God just doesn't understand my situation. Are you kidding me? Jesus died on the cross. First words he said on the cross was, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Yeah, you might have to have really a big old heaping help of God's mercy and grace to help you to forgive. But Jesus teaches us to forgive. You don't want to walk around with old bitterness in your life and unforgiveness in your life. That's like having, that's like having three flies on a piece of pecan pie. I mean, you know, it just ruins the whole shooting match. You don't want that mess in your life. Get it out of your life. Get it away from you. Let there be joy in your life. As you seek forgiveness, we are to forgive others. Then Jesus taught us, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The prayer is this, O oh Lord, stand by me today in the hour of temptation. I know what Satan wants to do in my life. He wants to see me fail and fall as a Christian. He's going to try to, if I'm not careful, if I'm not aware, if I'm not prayed up, he's going to try to maneuver me in situations to try to get me to sin against you. Or he's going to try to ambush me uh, out, of the, out of nowhere with the temptation. Lord, help me every day to be ready for the temptations that I will face today. Because I want to be delivered from the evil one. I want to live a life that's clean and right and holy before you. And then Jesus closes his model prayer. You know how he opened it? With worship. Guess how he closes it? Worship. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus teaches our prayers begin with worship and they end with worship. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? As our Lord teaches us to pray. That's a starter prayer. That's that's a, a good outline for prayer. You don't confine your prayers to that. That's not the intention. But Jesus says, this is how you can construct your prayers to pray this. And follow this model as you learn how to pray. So prayer is a wonderful thing. And prayer is a great, 
it's a wonderful privilege God gives to his children. But I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. Prayer is only a privilege that God gives to his children. God makes no guarantee that he will respond to the prayers of a person who has rejected his son as their Savior and Lord. Prayer is not a promise made to unbelievers. Now, that doesn't mean that God sometimes doesn't respond and gives grace to an unbeliever, maybe to motivate them to be saved by hearing a prayer and answering a prayer. God, you know, I'm not in charge of how God works in the lives of other people. He works in mysterious ways and in his ways, and I give honor and glory to him. But I can tell you this, God is under no obligation to hear and answer the prayer of an unbeliever. Proverbs 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through salvation or through prayer except through me. As long as you reject the Son, you forfeit the privilege of prayer. But I can tell you this, there is one prayer that every unsaved person can pray. And God will hear that prayer and he will respond to that prayer immediately. And that prayer is a prayer asking God to forgive them and save them. A sinner's prayer is a prayer like this. I I wrote a sinner's prayer down. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you're my only hope for heaven. Today I turn from my sins, I turn from my wicked ways, and I come to you. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to save me by your grace. Today I trust you as my Savior. I surrender my life to you as my Lord. And from this day forward as you help me, I want to love you, live for you, follow you, and obey you for the rest of my life. In the name of Jesus I pray, amen. When an unsaved person prays a prayer like that from their heart, God hears and God responds immediately. And by his grace and mercy and power, he will come running with salvation. Like he did with the old prodigal son in that parable. The the father came running to the repentant prodigal son. If you pray a prayer like that, God will come running to you with mercy and grace and forgiveness. And he will redeem you. He will change you. He will save you. He will adopt you. He will give you the Holy Spirit. He'll make you a new creation. Because here's a promise of the Bible. Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe and may God bless you.